0: Well, there you go. The movie's about to start. Chris does an incredible job on those bumper videos. Yeah, yeah. Bless Chris. Does an incredible job. Uh, I just want to, it was good for Pam and I to be gone last weekend, and and, uh, man, I love to hear Brett preach. Uh, He is an incredible expositor of God's Word, and I just love to hear Brett and and, uh, man, I tell you what, we are so blessed, uh, uh, you, with our pastoral staff and just their, I think that they, all they've got to do is wind them up and they're ready to go. And so I appreciate that so much, those guys, uh, uh, preaching and, and, uh, just the way God uses them and as he is using them. When the worship suite today, this was good, uh, this was good. And, and, uh, I'm so glad that you're here, uh, for this. Hopefully you enjoyed your extra day of the year yesterday. It was a gift. Every 4 years you get an extra day. Did you know you, it was an extra day? Uh the 29th of February. And so uh glad for that. We're starting a new series today. It's called Life on the Brink. And uh, what it let me kind of get you into this a little bit because we're going to be I guess the word would be attacking cultural norms a little bit that we get, we get into. It's all of us that are exempt. Uh, 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 all of us are not exempt from, from what we're going to be talking about during the course of this month. And the reason we call it life on the brink, when, when you're on the brink of something, it means you're on the very edge of something. Now, you could be on the edge of something good, but when we use life on the brink, it usually means we're one step away from uh from damage or uh from uh, an area that we're not protected in we We are going to go over the edge uh, i i We live in the selfie generation you know we like to take selfies we we take selfies, and, and we may have the grandeur of an ocean behind us, but we step into the picture, and the most important thing in that picture is us, right? Pike's Peak is behind us, but still, we're, we're there, and, and we're the most important thing that's in those pictures. So we are the selfie generation. We like to do that. But, you know, I, I've read about certain people that have taken selfies, and they've taken them in precarious situations that have cost them dearly. I read about this week about a 27-year-old mom, and they showed a picture. I'm glad I didn't see the whole video, but she's she's on the upper floors of a hotel, out on the balcony, and she's taking a a uh, selfie of herself, and she's sitting on the rail, and she decides to lean back for the selfie, and she falls over to her death. I mean, it's it's tragic, but you read about these. Just simply so that you can get a selfie on the brink or living on the edge the way you do. Uh, in, uh, in Colorado, there's what's called the Million Dollar Highway. And, uh, it begins in Silverton, Colorado and ends up in Uray, Colorado. And, uh, the reason it's called the Million Dollar Hi- Highway, it's because it, it's what it took to build it, obviously, back in the day. But there, They call it the most treacherous highway in the U.S. The reason being is you come to the edge, and there's gorge and this kind of stuff, and there's minimal guardrails. So you're living on the edge the whole time, and you're panicky, Wonder if you're going to go over it, and some people, you know, like to drive it for the heck of it. But the reason it's so treacherous is because you're just one step away from going over the edge. Now, here's where we're going this month. The reason we're talking about life on the brink is because when I look at our culture today, especially in the United States and even in our culture right here, we've got people that are right on the brink. They're one step away from destruction. They have no margin in their life. They they come to the edge and they're living their life on the edge. They have no guardrails. They're one step away, especially in their time and in their finances and in their relationships they they just find themselves on the edge they're on one brink away from destruction and you look at our culture today you look at what takes place you don't have to read the paper but you can read the paper it it's it's amazing when you pick up the major headlines how almost daily there is somebody that is that is uh, uh known to everybody else who has committed suicide there, there just seems to be this brink of hopelessness that exists, and many people are stepping into it, young people. And, uh, and I know that, that there are many uh, things to be concerned about. We're you know, concerned about the coronavirus. We're concerned about other things. But you, and we're concerned about shootings and homicide. But, you know, when you look at the statistics, suicide is way so much higher than homicide. And why is that? Because there's a there's a living life on the brink. There's marriages that are dissolving. There's people who are getting into financial ruin. There's all of these kind of things. And we sing about I am free. And I love to sing about the freedom that Christ gives us. But even Christ followers living in bondage in so many of these areas. So we're going to be talking about this because when you're living life on the brink and no margin. And let me explain what margin is a little bit. You remember as a kid when you used to you used to, your teacher would tell you, pull out a piece of paper, and you've got these red lines on the side, or those are the margins. You, you don't want to go across the margin. Every now and then you may need to go across the margin, but you try to stay as, as close to the margin as you can, not going to the end of the page. What we need to learn in life with our time, with our finances, with our relationships, is we need margin. We need room so that we're not on the edge all of the time. And that will make more sense as we get into this today. But if you're living a life on the edge, and many people say, I love to live on the edge. That's the way my life is on the edge, only to see that it's a destructive pattern that is there if you're not uh, careful, if you don't have some kind of margin of protection or some kind of guardrail to keep you from going over the edge. But if you're living on the edge, there's some things that characterize your life, and these will make sense. Number one is you're not enjoying the journey. If there's more month than money, if there's more demanded of you than time allows, if people have expectations upon you, you cannot meet, you're not enjoying the journey. You become hopeless. You become frustrated. And eventually you become spiritually dry. And I tell you what happens. Many people walk away From the church, they walk away from the Lord because they feel this guilt because they cannot do what they were called to do, what the Spirit wants to compel them to do because they don't have the finances, they don't have the money, they just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And they just get frustrated and they walk away. And many of them blame God or blame the church. And so we're going to talk about this and today we're going to tackle time. And, uh, There may be one that you would rather tackle, but we're going to tackle time and how we handle time. And I'm so glad for God's Word in that it is so relevant even for today. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament. It was a letter written by Paul. Paul was a follower of Jesus. And Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to pick it up. And just so that you understand the book of Ephesians a little bit, Ephesians was written uh, around 61 A.D., around that range, about 30 years after Jesus had died, buried, and was resurrected and ascended. So it's about 30 years later, and there's a church in Ephesus. The The conditions of Ephesus were interesting. It was a Roman uh, colony, like so many of the cities. It was very affluent. It was an area with a bay area that ships could come in. However, what happened is that silt began to fill it up, and it, it lost its influence eventually. But it was very affluent. It, it was a lot of money there. It was also very occultic and pagan. They had a temple to the goddess Diana right in the middle of it that everybody worshipped, and it was very uh, sensual in the way that you worshipped. And uh, it was a very immoral city in ways, very hedonistic, very affluent. Humanism would uh, would would rule. It was much like the United States of America today. And uh, that's the way it was. And yet Paul went and he started a church there, and he was there for three years. He eventually turned it over to a young man named Timothy. But this is where Paul started the church. However, when Paul wrote this letter, he is in jail in Rome. Okay? The reason I give you background is because we need to know what the Word of God said to those people... So we can interpret it for us today. Okay, so what at the first of the letter of Ephesians, he talks about what God has done through Jesus Christ, how he has seated us in heavenly places. It's incredible. Then he gets into talking about our response today to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not by it's not by works that you're saved, but by grace and by faith in Christ alone. And then he begins to talk about how we live that out on a day day-to-day basis. And that's where we're picking it up about time right now. So let's look at Ephesians 5 and we're going to begin in verse 15 and we're going through verse 20. So uh, let's look at this together if we could right quick. It says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stop there and we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about time. All of us have 168 hours in a week. And uh this is all we have; we invest it the way we invest it, but the average lifespan is around seventy nine years uh this This group is a little bit younger than the group that is in the the first service but uh seventy nine years some people say that the current children, because of medical advances, may live to be a hundred and be quite normal. so we'll see how that works out. But if you take a seventy nine year Lifespan, OK, that's twenty eight thousand eight hundred and thirty five days. That is six hundred ninety two thousand and forty hours. You will probably spend twenty five years of those seventy nine asleep. You will be sleeping. There you go. And uh, this is not one of those times to be uh, asleep. You will spend. Thirteen years working. You will spend eleven years watching TV. You will spend over a year cleaning. You will spend about four to five years eating. Some more, some less. Uh, You will spend about four to five years in a car. You will spend one and a half years in the bathroom. This is estimated. <laughs> you will spend 70% of your waking life with digital media. 70% of your waking life. So we're, we're, we're just uh, uh, looking at when we're awake. So... If you add all this together, and I didn't throw all of the numbers at you that are possibly out there, but you probably, if you live to be 79, there will be eight years of discretionary time when you choose what you're going to do. Eight years. Now, you use your work, you use these things, but eight years of your life is discretionary time. Here's some thoughts on time that I want to give you. We all have 168 hours, as I said, but most of us say that's not enough, even though you were given a whole free day yesterday, but we're going to take an hour away next weekend. Your most precious commodity is your time today, and people will say, I don't know about that. It's my family or whatever, but when push comes to shove, it's usually time. I can usually get $100 out of somebody easier than I can get an hour. And you think about it just a moment. Remember when the toll roads came in around here? Many people were up in arms. Oh, I'm not going to use the toll road. And they would, I'm going to take I-35. Oh, how long did that last? Because your time is more valuable than the toll. And so you would, you would do that. Uh, here's another thought about time. Some people are, are planners and some people are intuitive about their time. And both are okay, except the planners wish the intuitive people would plan better. But there's both groups that exist. Here's another thought. Time stands still for no man. There is no pause. There is no redo in life. What you've done in the past, sometimes you may carry with you, but it's in the past. We're going to talk about redeeming the time here in just a moment, but... But uh, that's where it is. You cannot hit pause. You cannot stop it. It's going to keep going. You know, you want to keep your kids at certain ages. You can't do it. They grow. Especially the older you get, you will discover that time moves even faster. What used to be like telephone poles of time now become picket fences when you're going by. It just seems to go so fast. And with grandkids, it goes even faster. And that time cannot be stopped. It it uh, there's no pause. And I I share one other thing about time. When you lay down at night, there's always more to be done. And when you wake up in the morning, it's facing you. And if you lay awake at night, it's there, isn't it? I tell our staff. I say, when you lay down at night, there's more ministry that could have been done. And when you wake up in the morning, there will be ministry that's facing you. However, I want you to cheat towards your family if you're going to cheat. Because that's important. If you had one more hour in a day, it was 25-7 instead of 24-7, what would you do with that hour? What did you do with your day yesterday, which was a free day? There's still responsibility. There's still things facing you. Some of you may sleep with that extra hour. Some of you would surf on the Internet. Some people would work, of all things. But what Paul gives here, he gives us some, I think, basic guidelines to help us get some margin in our lives so that we're not living on the edge, so that if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, can you come do something with me? We're not fighting over the guilt of that moment, but we have some discretion in what we can do. So I'm going to give you four things out of this passage, and you can keep your Bibles open there so we can kind of look at it. So first of all is this, take inventory, take inventory. Notice what Paul said in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. The word careful here is an interesting word. It means Literally this, to look around, to look around, to be awake, to not be asleep, but be careful in how you're living your time. Uh, look around, be aware of how you're spending your time. So here's my challenge today, to take inventory. I think he was telling these people, look at your life, take inventory of how you're looking, your, you're living your life, be awake, be sober about your life. So here's your challenge. Your challenge is to inventory your life and how you spend your time right now. Spend your time. Take out a piece of paper, and and not right now, but take out a piece of paper this week, and you see, how do I live my days? How do I live out what I do? What, What needs to change in that? But take inventory of your life. Inspect it with diligence. Are you being wise with your time? Is this the wise thing to do in light of where I am in life right now? You know, as you look at your time, is this wise? And wise is God's way of thinking. Is this wise what I'm doing? Is the tyranny of the urgent controlling you? Is the tyranny of the urgent? You know what I'm saying? There's things crying out for you to do all the time. There's always something. And it's telling you, you need to do this. You need to do this. Or your boss is saying, you need to do this. Or school is saying, you need to do this. Or whatever, coach is saying, you need to do this. Everybody wants your time. But can you take inventory of that and see exactly where your time is going? Most of us don't know. And we have time wasters that are there. And so I want to encourage you to take inventory. And And one other thought is this. You know, it's not the bad things that keep us from the best thing. It's the good things. How many good things are taking you away from the best thing? Don't you wish it was just evil and you could recognize evil and say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what's over here. But it's usually so many good things eat away at your time that you are taken away from the best thing. Here's your question. I'm going to put this on the board. So here's the question for you to chew on this week. In light of knowing that many times my life is out of control, am I willing to do an inventory of my current schedule? And that's what I'm asking of you this week. To just take out a piece of paper and look at what you do. I mean, do you spend that much time uh, in frivolous stuff or you, can you look at that and, and see what your inventory is exactly, okay, to see what is there? So Paul says, be careful then. Be wise about your time. The second thing is this. Take control. Take control. Notice what Paul says in verse 16. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In the, in the King James Bible, it says, redeem the time. And what Paul is actually saying here, the word opportunity is, we're going to the port, so set yourselves, we're going somewhere. You see, God created you for a purpose, not to just take up space, not to just do what you want to do. God created you for his great glory, and he has a plan. And so you want to take advantage, you want to redeem the time. Now, some of you, or I said it earlier, are carrying around your past because you did some things in your past that you regret and have caused confusion and hurt in your life ever since. I believe God wants to redeem that. I think if you're willing to come before Him and say, God, I'm carrying around my past. Listen, God, God has given you X amount of days. He doesn't want you carrying around your past. That's why repentance. Uh, confession is so good, talking to others, praying through that, being willing to say, okay, God, I'm taking my past. I'm putting it on your hook. I'm going to go forward with you. Some of you need to redeem that right now. Listen, uh, God's not holding it against you. You're holding it against yourself. And uh, I think he's waiting for you to take that and put it on. Uh, listen, uh, some of you, uh, I just feel feel this. Some of you have had addictions in the past. Some of you have had abortions in the past. Some of you have had divorce. And you're just letting that haunt you. And it's just, it's just taking you down and taking you down. Does it affect your present? Yeah! All of our past affects our present. But listen, God is saying, are you willing to put that on my hook? Listen, I love you. I took it to the cross for you. Are you willing to follow me and receive my spirit and walk, walk in, in life with me to the, to the finish line? Uh, the enemy works in guilt and shame, and so you 've got to be careful here. the Lord will convict you to come close to him, but let me tell you there 's freedom in him, okay, Some of you need to hear that today. I know you do many people have walked away from the church because they think the church is holding their past against them will not let them go forward, but I think we need to we need to see what, how Jesus responds to that in grace, so take control. Redeem the time of your present as well. Look at your time. Um, Listen, it's up to me and it's up to you and how you use your time. You must take control because other things will cry out for your attention. And and hear me on this. Quit blaming all of your lost time on somebody else, on your boss, on your work, on your school, on uh, your family. Quit blaming on the church. Quit blaming it on that. So here's the second question under take control. In light of knowing that I am susceptible to things setting my schedule, am I willing to quit blaming culture, media, or others for how I live my time? Am I willing to quit blaming others for how I spend my time? You take control. You take inventory, and Paul challenges to take control. Here's the third one. There's only four. Third one is this. Take a look at priorities. Take a look at priorities. Look at verse 17. Paul says this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. God has a plan. You're thinking, well, what gives God the right to to run my life? He created you. That helps out. And he can take you out of here. But here's the deal. He created you out of love. And he created you for his pleasure. You ever think about that? That God has pleasure in you? He created you for pleasure. So we need to take look at our priorities that are there. God has given us the perfect amount of time to accomplish what his perfect will is for us while we are here. So life is a journey and not a destination. And God is in with the journey with us. And here is one of our major conflict areas. I want you to hear this. We are trying to do everything under the sun, and we are completely frazzled and full of guilt. And when we think of our service to the Lord, we feel like failures. You see, God has placed his spirit inside of us, and his he compels us by his love to live for him, to live for his good pleasure. Well, we find our time so out of control and other things are clamoring for our time that we feel guilty all the time because we are not serving the Lord the way we sense that we are to serve the Lord. And many people just walk away thinking, I, 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 there's no way. We need to t- take a look at our priorities. What is really important? And when it comes to God's will, let me tell you some things that I think are vital. Because you see, we've made God's will such a mystery out here. Oh, I want to know God's will. I want to know who I'm going to marry. I don't know uh, that job I'm supposed to take. or we to buy that car? Where are we supposed to eat lunch after service today? I mean, we're, we're trying to figure out this mystical stuff about God's will. When I believe that 90, 90 plus percent is right here in God's word, he gives us the wisdom to think rationally on what we're supposed to be doing. And so I want to give you some thoughts on God's will just a moment. First of all, it is God's will that you rest. Some of you, the best thing you can do today is take a nap. That's okay. It's okay to rest. Most bad decisions are made out of fatigue and empty tanks. You need to rest. I know it's God's will. He gave us a day of rest. He he said, rest. Take a Sabbath rest. Now, part of that resting is from our, we're trying to work to earn our salvation, and he says, rest in me. But some of us just need physical rest. Here's the second thing I know is God's will. That we are to have a relationship with him. An intimate, close relationship with him. That we are supposed to walk close. He created us for his good pleasure. Nobody loves us like Christ loves us that God loves us and so he wants us to have a relationship with him amen and he wants you close to him here's a third thing that he I know is God's will he wants you to have a relationship with others he wants you to love him he wants you to love others he wants you to love your family he wants you to love your neighbors he wants you to love your your uh your extended family he wants you to love the people that you're around i know this is God's will and here's the fourth thing. He wants you to rest. He wants you to have a relationship with him, a relationship with others. But fourthly, he wants this. He wants you to represent him while you're here. We are Christ ambassadors. We are, you know, I spoke a couple of weeks ago on plan A and plan B that we're plan A. He he chose to use us to represent him to this world. So You know, you're thinking, oh, but Mark Steele, who am I supposed to marry? Am I to take that job? Well, let me ask you this. Are you resting? Are you walking in that relationship with him? Are you walking in right relationship with others? And are you representing him here? I guarantee you, he will give you the wisdom in those decisions as you are doing his will in those areas. Does that make sense? I I really want you to see that. And here's, here's my question for you as we think about God's will. In light of knowing what God's best plan is for me, is there something I need to cease doing or remove from my current schedule? Is there something you need to remove? Because it is keeping you from actually walking in God's plan for you. Maybe it's uh, this is hard. Maybe it's a relationship that is pulling you away from God. Maybe it is an an event. Listen, hear me on this, and I I say it with as much love in my heart as I possibly can. When you stand before the Lord someday, you're not going to be able to produce the bonuses you got at work by the extra hours you put in. That your child could bat 400 in his baseball league. Those aren't the things. Those, those things are alright. Get pat on the back from people on earth. But God has so much more for you. Here's the last. The fourth one and the last one. Fill up. If you're taking notes. Which is a good thing. I encourage you. Take inventory. Take control. Take a look at your priorities. And then last of all. Fill up. Notice what he says in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Actually, the, the verbiage here in the original language was continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I leak. Do you leak? Yeah, you do. I leak, man. I I, I want to be filled with God, and then the next thing you know, I'm just as dry as I can be. So I need to be continually being filled. You see, God has given us a whole. You can't be. You can't come to Christ at all unless you His Holy Spirit draws you, and then when you make a commitment to Christ, He takes up residence inside of you. But there's ongoing fillings that have to happen. And uh, so we need these fillings of the Holy Spirit because we can't do it on our own. I, I'm giving you challenges in your time, and you're thinking, I don't know how to do that. But if you get filled up, allow God to live His life through you, you will see things differently. And, and you need to let this be your attention whatever is your attention will become your affection and and i know that god knows that we have addictive tendencies in this flesh and he knows he knows that we will we will mess up if we do not have him in our lives so i'm encouraging you today to be filled with him and when he says be not drunk with wine what he's talking about there he's talking about the influences uh, what influences you you know some of you have a past where alcohol was was uh, you abused alcohol, and it used to control you, and you were a jerk, and you did some stupid stuff. Some of you have drug backgrounds. Some of you have other addictive backgrounds, and they make you do stupid stuff because it is controlling you. And, and what Paul is saying here, don't let these things control you. Let the Spirit of God control you. That's what needs to control you. So how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit right quick? We make it so hard when it's so, so, so in the Word of God. So I don't want to use the word simple because we use simple things and we don't value simple things. But how to be filled? Number one is you yield to God. In Ephesians, a little bit more, what Paul's going to say is you yield, you yield to him. You yield to the Spirit. In other words, Jesus would say, you put aside the flesh. You take up your cross and follow after him. You yield. Secondly, you ask. Uh, Jesus said in Luke when he's talking about which of you, if his father, uh, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone or he asked for fish, would give him a, a scorpion. If you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Luke chapter 11. It's a ask him, Lord. I'm yielding to you. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And then thirdly is walking in obedience. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who obey him? So you yield, you ask, you obey. And you just see his Holy Spirit start to work through you. Some of you, it's been so long since you've had that refreshment of just the Lord. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit has been absent for so long. So here's your fourth question. The last question is this. In light of knowing that other things want to control me, am I yielding myself to God's presence and control? In light of knowing that other things want to control me, am I yielding myself to God's presence and control? Last thing, and then we pray. You probably don't want to talk about your time because you know it's out of control. You would rather not talk about your time or next week we'll deal with your finances and you'll feel the same way next week. Because our time is so precious. Some of you are, are busy thinking now, oh, I got to get away from here. I got to, this is what I got to do today, man. I got oh, God, I'm giving you this hour. Now I got to get, I got to do these things. And you're frazzled. And stuff today was so practical. And God's saying, slow down, hit pause. You know, Psalm 46, when it says, uh, be still and know that I'm God, what he literally says there is cease striving and know that I'm God. Cease striving. There was a woman that uh, came to Jesus when he was eating a meal. And she came in and she broke a jar of perfume and she poured it on Jesus and she began to take her hair and anoint his body with that and wash it in. It's, it's a great passage there. I think it's in Mark 14 is one of the one of those. And she's she's anointing here. Uh, and and this is his disciple says this. Why the waste? She could have taken this and given the money to the poor. Why the waste? And Jesus said, "You leave her alone." You leave her alone. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know, we're going to waste our time on something. Video games, TV, just running and doing. We waste so much time. Maybe the Lord is something we need to waste our time on. Just waste our time on Him. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to know you. Because He created us.